0: hello hello, and welcome back to agency nation radio my name is ryan hanley i am your co-host joined as always well not as always anymore marty not as always anymore since we both have kind of done these little one-off interviews and then we come together for an episode but today i am joined by my partner in crime i guess is probably the best way to describe him marty agatha what's going on man it
1: is a beautiful day here in the north uh Crystal blue skies uh were above freezing, which is always great, having come from twenty-five below zero. That's without wind chill, uh, this weekend. It was cool. Yes, it was, but we're back in the we're back in the, the high life again. So to quote a uh, a song, Stevie Winwood.
0: So, Marty, you know yes? uh we, we we talked, I think the last time we were together, I think it was our fifty-second episode. This is our fifty-fourth episode. And, uh, you know, we said, you know, we're doing, this is awesome. We did 52 episodes in a year and all, and all this good stuff. And and it is, it is amazing what we've done. Um, just, just that we've been able to keep it going. You know, these, it's so easy to let, um, it's so easy to let things like a podcast go, right? You can make a lot of excuses why you shouldn't record
1: episodes. Well, same, know, thing, I mean, same I, thing with writing blogs, as a matter of fact, right? Oh. I mean, we talk about this on a regular basis and that is, um, this sort of guerrilla marketing and content content marketing, content warfare to, to quote a famous book that we both know and love, um, it's a it's a difficult thing. It's it's sometimes it's it's the least urgent of all of the things that you're working on, and yet I would I would posit that it's probably the most important, even though it's the least urgent.
0: It, yeah that's a great way to put it so um in that vein uh, I had posted this this post on Facebook um just kind of commemorating our success I took a little screenshot of the chart of our download growth for this podcast over the course of the last 12 months and uh, I wrote a little note that you know when I uh, I had a podcast before this one that was my personal podcast it was called content warfare I had done it for a little over three years. And uh, when I when we started Agency Nation Radio, I put that podcast on hold. So Content Warfare has been on hold for about a year now. The day that I stopped uh, recording that podcast, I was getting twenty thousand downloads a month, which you know I was very proud of and was awesome. Um, but I wanted to focus on this podcast. I wanted us to give this everything we could and and turn it into something that was valuable and entertaining and fun and and hopefully it has been that thing. And uh, we now do on average over 4,000 downloads a month, which I think is great for a, for a niche insurance podcast, and and you know two two goon two goons like us uh, bantering back and forth, and over 25,000 total downloads, and that's all great. But I'm going to tell you this, Marty. So this is the, you 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 haven't really made it as a podcaster until you have an official drinking game with rules that go along with your show. So. I posted this post on Facebook, and I posted this little graphic, and 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 amazing comments. So many people kind of commented that they listened to the show, or they listened to my past show, and that was wonderful. But Matthew Wood, Matthew Wood, who is a, a local agent here in the in the Albany area, who I know, great guy, um, he said, uh, for those of you who would like to play along at home, I enjoy the Agency Nation Radio Drinking Game. Here are some of the rules. Take a drink anytime someone says millennial, soapbox or pontificate, double drinks anytime Marty goes on a tangent, or when Ryan mentions the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely wonderful. We have officially made it. Thank you, Matthew Wood.
1: You know, I, I don't know. Earlier I said Steve Winwood. We were talking about some, you know, classic rock and roll originally with cream. So uh, I don't think that's a I don't think that's off topic.
0: <laughs> so the, we we wanted to bring this up today because uh, it is the holidays. There is uh, libation consumption on the holidays, and if you need a reason—not that you do—but if you needed a reason to to spur on your intake of alcohol this uh, this holiday season, just listen to a couple past episodes and follow along with the ABC Nation Radio Drinking Game, and I'm sure you'll be in very good spirits. When the show is over, so that, that just,
1: reminds me. That reminds me of our good friend Paul Martin, right? Paul Martin, some of you know, uh, out of Texas. He runs the agency sales group here at TrustedChoice.com, and uh, he says you never need a drink because if you need a drink, they make you go to those meetings. You just want a drink.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that we're pro alcoholism, but um, okay. So, so I thought that was fun and I wanted to bring that up and, um, and just, I, I appreciate Matt sharing that and, uh, yeah, and thanks, it's, just, Matt, it's shout just,
1: out, shout out props.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's get into the show a little bit here. Um, so I am part of, I think probably like many of the listeners, I'm part of a few different insurance professional related LinkedIn groups. And, uh, there was recently a post in one of those groups that I found very interesting, although LinkedIn groups have waned in terms of their value, um, there was a post that I, that I I I thought was interesting, um, and uh, uh, this woman said um, she was sharing a, a really short video, which we're going to play for you here, the audio part of it. You won't see it, no, but I'll post the actual YouTube video in the show notes. Uh, go to agencynation.com forward slash podcast and look for episode number 54. This is 54. Um, so she said, Pick up the phone and just call, dot, dot, dot. It's what separates the great from the average. Steve, Steve Jobs shares a very important success story, words that will make you a success. Call, okay? So that was her intro. And I'm going to play the Steve Jobs video for you, and then I have a few, or the, the audio of the video, and um, and then I have a few thoughts. So let's uh, let's see if we can make this technology work here.
2: No, I've actually always found something uh, to be very true, which is um, most people don't get those experiences because they never ask. Uh, I've never found anybody that didn't want to help me if I asked them for help. I always call them up. I called up um, this old date, but I called up Bill Hewlett when I was 12 years old, and he lived in Palo Alto. His number was still in the phone book, and he answered the phone himself. I? Yes? He said, Yes. Said, "Hi, I'm Steve Jobs. I'm 12 years old." I'm a student in high school, and I want to build a frequency counter. And I was wondering if you had any spare parts I could have. And he laughed, and he he gave me the spare parts to build his frequency counter, and he gave me a job that summer in Hewlett-Packard, working on the assembly line, putting nuts and bolts together on frequency counters. He got me a job in the place that built them. And I was in heaven. And I've never found anyone who said no or hung up the phone when I called. I just asked. And when people ask me, I try to be as responsive, you know, to pay that that debt of gratitude back. Um, Most people never pick up the phone and call, most people never ask, and that's what separates sometimes the people that do things from the people that just dream about them. You gotta gotta act, and you've gotta be uh, willing to uh, fail. You've gotta be willing to crash and burn, you know, with people on the phone, with starting a company, with whatever. If you're afraid of failing,
0: uh, you won't get very far so Marty, that's a pretty powerful little minute and twenty five minute and ten seconds, whatever it is. and here here's what I found very interesting about that. and this isn't to uh this isn't a knock on any of the people who who jumped in and commented on this post. but what I found very interesting about the comment stream that that followed along with this share um was, and there were, there were about 18 comments with my own, uh, was all of the comments, or at least most of the comments, most of the comments, the, the the majority of the comments, focused on the word phone. The majority of the comments focused on, I prefer to call my com uh, uh, clients, email should never be a primary source of connection. It was phone, phone, phone. Everybody locked in on the idea that, Somehow, what Steve was saying in that video, what and I'm using Steve like I know him, like that Steve Jobs was saying in that video, um, was that the phone had anything to do with his message, and I think that is a complete miss on the message that he was trying to convey. So, I this was I'm gonna read you the comment I made, and then I want you to kind of come in here because, um, it just I spent some time and I thought about this and I just was like, man, this really is a microcosm to a certain extent, I think, of of not just insurance industry professionals, but, but our consumers, the way they view our industry, the way we view other industries, the way You know, people view our agency the way they view us as producers or as TrustedChoice.com or Instination or the association or or really the way we view anything as people. I think sometimes we latch on to the thing and we miss the larger message. So this is what I said. To grasp the real message Steve Jobs was trying to convey, I think we need to remove the word phone. The phone is really just the only mechanism that Steve Jobs had at the time to communicate with someone he couldn't see in person in this Case uh, Mr. Hewlett. Today, Steve Jobs just as easily could have said SMS or Facebook Messenger or Snapchat. The medium isn't the point. The point rather is that we need to be proactive in seeking out opportunity and what we want, and not wait for others to give us permission or choose us to do so. And that is what I believe Steve was saying: is that in it to be successful, we have to own that success and that there is, we can make a million excuses. I make them, you make them, we all make them, right? But to be successful, we have to step beyond the excuses and and own that that success. We have to take that step. We have to do that thing that no one told us, make the phone call today. If you're waiting for your agency principal to tell you to make 10 cold calls today, you're going to struggle, right? If you don't, if you're not seeking out the things that you need to do, and maybe cold calls isn't the thing, maybe it's, cold texts. Maybe it's three networking events, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Maybe it's answering the phone. There's a million things you could be doing, but it's, it's not the thing. It's the doing that I think he was trying to get across. What, what did you think about this? You know, what did you take from that? Or am I off or what, what do you think here?
1: I think there's a couple things going on here, Ryan. Um, first and foremost, um, we do sort of rely on our, on our, personal experience. And so um, these people are talking about the mechanism that they use most frequently. Um, Sometimes I think we um, defend our practices because uh, that's what we know. and, And even though we might be catching some Uh, flack for the way that we do something or the way that we dress or whatever it is we defend that again because it's part of our personality i think i think that interpersonal communication whether it's um, in person or the phone as a as a substitute does give a, a much more um powerful relationship tool just because there's so much nuance that you can pick up right i mean cuz when we're joking you, people can hear us kind of you know that that mirth in our voice even if we aren't laughing out loud um and when you're working with a client uh, a client service uh, relationship you know the 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 client and the and the professional relationship that uh, that's important it's important to build those um those relationships all that said I think I think your point is absolutely dead on. He isn't talking about a specific technology. Um, he's talking about using the tools, get out there and get after it, right? We sometimes uh, here at trustedchoice.com, we'll, we'll try, even at Agency Nation, right? How many, we're on our third revision, I think, of Agency Nation as a platform. Why? Because we just said it's time to get it out there. We, the first version was was pretty much uh, nothing more than a, than a blank sheet of paper with some words on it. Um, now we've had two professional redesigns on our website. Getting out there, nothing is as valuable as the actual experience. So, um, I would I would caution our listeners that um, you need to push it. You know, what we see is we see agencies, and, and, and Ryan, we talk about new technologies all the time, right? And, and there's nothing that's guaranteed about grabbing the latest social media tool and um, trying to figure out how to use it as your agency. Will it be valuable for the agency or, or your insurance company or, or won't it? That's hard to say in a nascent sense and when you're just beginning to experiment. But the point is, you are so much further down the pike. If you grab this tool and you start to use it and you say, you know what, this is pretty cool because it's got this, that and the next thing. It's got a few drawbacks. But the next thing that comes along, you maybe find a way to leverage those advantages that this tool gave you in a in a better way. So I think I think uh, Steve Jobs' message was dead on. Get out there and do it. You don't know how successful it's going to be, but you got to do it. You got to act.
0: Yeah, it yeah it it basically is you know the the doers are the ones that that make the hay right. You you have to do the thing. There there's no. I would love it. And if there's one thing I learned from, from this particular job, right, um, if, I, if there's one thing I learned from this particular job, it's that uh, there is no template. There is no template. There is no, if you do, you know, best practices are great. You interviewed uh, Madeline, Madeline Flanagan, who, who has the best practices for the big eye, and there's some great benchmarks in there. There's some really cool things that are going to work. But there is no 100%. You know, the best package report isn't do these 10 things and everything works out, right? It's this thing works for this company and here's another great benchmark for this company and here's the average of what they're doing in this space so you can kind of understand some trends. But ultimately, you got to go out and figure out what works for you. And maybe it's some combination, maybe an Excel spreadsheet in your cell phone is all you need. You don't need an agency management system. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you're just amazing at that. Maybe you don't need CSRs. Maybe you use everything you do is outsourced call centers, but then you still make people come in face-to-face with you. I mean, there there is all these tools at your disposal, all these various things, ways to get new business, ways to keep new business, ways to process business, ways to... Uh, ways to to keep people for longer. Ways to generate referrals. Um, better customer experience. Twenty four seven things. I mean, there's all these different things that you can bake into your into your agency. But ultimately, uh, there is no roadmap. And when we struggle and things aren't working, I feel like I, I you know, I, and I've talked to a lot of different people about this. Um, what we tend to do when we struggle or when we're we're not having the success that we're used to is we We close in, right? We start looking for people to say, you know, we we start becoming even more risk averse versus what what was probably going to actually break us out of that struggle is to put more chips on the table, right? Maybe this isn't the best strategy if you're at Vegas, but ultimately we have to try new things. The way it's always been done can never be the way that it will always be done. You know, right? Uh, I can't remember who said it, but the only constant is change, right? Maybe it was Einstein or someone certainly smarter than me, but that is a hundred percent true. And and I just look at the way that we operate as a company. The way we operate today is ten x different than the way we operated two years ago, in good ways and in bad ways. In ways that make our jobs easier and ways that make it harder. There's things that we have to do that that we didn't do two years ago, but we do them today to provide a better service to our clients. But if you just looked at them from a straight time usage standpoint, would it? I mean, these are all things that you have to test, and things break, and then they you got to fix them, and you know, I mean, there's a million things go on, and um, you know, I, I just, I guess what my my point is in looking at the new year, right? We're coming up to 2017, and these are the kind of things on my mind, and and I'm doing my meetings with my team, and Marty, I know you're 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 working with the office, and um, and and figuring things out, and and how do we do this more operationally, and. Uh, you and and Rob, our our head of accounting, are you know just doing some um doing some work with our office space. You know, is this the office space we want to be in for the next three, five, ten years? And so you're doing some due diligence stuff. I mean, this is the planning time in our in our year. And um, you know the the message that I hope people take from that Steve Jobs interview is not that the phone is a better tool than anything else because the phone's going to work for these people. It's not going to work for these. The point is. Go out and do something this year, right? And not that you didn't do anything last year, but do new things this year. Build on what you did last year. Try three new things this year. You don't have to try a hundred, but try three new things and see if they work. And if they don't work, throw them out and pick three new things and try those. But that's the only way that we move forward is to keep trying new stuff. Don't wait for people to tell you what you should be doing.
1: You know what I thought was the most, uh, well, not maybe the most amazing, but certainly one of the amazing things in that phone call is his, uh, hi, Mr. Packard, this is Bill Jobs, I'm 12 years old, and in high school. When I, I was in- when, Steve, right? Steve Jobs, yeah, what did I say? Bill Jobs. Oh, oh yeah, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, same thing. <laughs> Steve Jobs, um, he said, "He said, I'm 12 years old, and I'm in high school. When I was 12 years old, I was still reading, you know, C-Spot Run books. <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs>
0: yeah so i you know i just i definitely uh a little bit of pontificating off my soapbox but hopefully there's a few millennials out there that are listening (laughs) Um, all right so i thought that was interesting uh if you're listening to this and you want to hear it again um i guess either listen to the episode again or uh, you can jump on over to Agency Nation and I'll have that YouTube video in uh, the show notes. Uh, episode 54. Forward slash uh, podcast, episode number 54. Okay, so next thing we want to talk about today in a little bit of a rapid fire show is uh, coming to you from the Coverager. So coverager.com, Sheffy, uh, uh, Ben Hutta, doing a wonderful job. And uh, with this, uh, formerly of Insurance Entertainment, now it's got this coverager thing going on. It's a fantastic platform. If you're not subscribed to the email list, you are legitimately missing out on some really important information, uh, kind of dialed into the insure tech space, what's going on, with a really kind of op-ed voice, which I find to be refreshing, um, not just drinking the Kool-Aid of whatever's pushed down the, uh, the press release uh, funnel, but uh, kind of digesting and ultimately delivering with a little bit of personal spin and, and take, and I and I think it's refreshing and interesting, and uh, and I'm obviously a fan. So and, and um, fun. I mean, that's the other thing.
1: Right? It's, it's it's not the 750 word think piece. It's a uh, it's a it's a creative take on news of the day.
0: Yeah, and I, I think with I, you know, obviously I love a little bit of uh, egotism. the uh, The very first line of every email is this email is real. This is a really good email. So um, I just, I, I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so um, they recently shared a graphic. They are keeping track of insurance carriers who have coverages for ride-sharing programs. So this is a graphic which I will, uh, I'm going to link to the page on Coverager, which has it, and um, I'll probably have the image on our site as well, but uh, you should definitely go over and just check out the Coverager and subscribe to their uh, email newsletter list, if, if nothing else. It's free. And um, so this graphic basically outlines the carriers. Uh, so you'll see the left column when you see this graphic. The left column has insurance carriers. And then the right, the rest of the of the um, graphic is the states in which those particular carriers have ride sharing in. So Marty, we talk about insurance technology and innovation and insure tech, and a lot of it is marketing and distribution and marketing and distribution and sales and and chat bots and blah, 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 blah. Um, There are a lot of other aspects of what we do that need to adapt to the changing marketplace in order for independent agents to be able to compete uh, with directs and captives. And here is what I mean, okay? Right now, Geico has 34 states, 34 states in which they write ride-sharing coverage, okay, 34 states. Farmers Insurance has 28 states in which they write ride-sharing coverage in. USAA has eight states in which they write ride-sharing coverage for. MetLife, now the very first independent agency carrier on the list, has five states and only for Lyft drivers, so no Uber, okay? So Geico's in 34 states, Farmers is in 28 states, USAA is in eight states. The very first independent agency carrier is MetLife, good for, you know, happy that MetLife is doing this, right? This is not a knock on MetLife. I'm glad that they're dipping their toe into this space. I'm just saying they are the very first independent agency carrier on this list they're in only five states, and it's only for Lyft drivers. So uh, then the next one on the list is all state. So again, um, I guess they do have direct or captive, I mean, but they also are an independent agency carrier. And they have five states for both. Then Metro Mile is three, and then Erie Insurance is two states, American Family is one, Mercury is one. State Farm is two, which is weird that they're that far down the list. They should have been ahead of the other ones, which is okay. And then Progressive is in one state, Texas, and is piloting in in Pennsylvania. So my my point in saying this is, is not. I mean, I, I am very happy that the independent agency carriers are on this list, right? I'm happy that they're there. So this isn't a knock on any of them in any way. It is more a, come on, guys, like is ride sharing is not a fad. Like we got to figure this out now. I will say my per- this list my perception and understanding of this list is that is these are carriers who have a personal lines add on to this. So this is not necessarily um this is not companies that will cover ride sharing vehicles under a commercial lines policy. So the only the problem being that and, and again so you know just covering the full basis here um you know you, you look they start getting if on with most of these carriers commercial lines program for ride sharing they they are classified as taxis which then becomes hard to place if the carrier will even write them and you figure average taxi policy is somewhere you know around 3 grand maybe a little less than that maybe a little more so you know $1600 personal auto policy uh, with a ride-sharing extension on it, or just built-in ride-sharing coverage, versus a three thousand dollars commercial lines policy, which then may not even cover you when you're, uh, you know, just driving your car around personally. So now you're carrying both in many cases. It's a huge limitation, and I just I, I say to myself, I'm not an underwriter, nor am I an actuary, nor I am anyway a executive at insurance carrier. So I'm obviously none of those things. Um, but I just like this is the 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 world is moving to a sharing economy like we we have to adapt faster and i would rather have an expensive personalized policy and just have the ability to have the coverage and figure out the underwriting you know you know figure out if that's too expensive or what have you than just not show up on the board because it just the perception from a consumer is once again independent agents don't get it they're not they don't understand they don't they're not They are not on board with this. They don't get it where, you know, I look at farmers and it's like, shit, they're in 28 states. I'll just go with farmers. I get that Geico is what it is. Eh, I'm not a Geico person, but man, I'll give farmers a try. Uh, Am I wrong, Marty? I mean, USAA is in eight of these states.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. Number one, I spent some time creeping around on uh, the ride share drivers board. And uh, the, the the driver's understanding of this this whole issue is you know next to zilch. Um, they don't they don't understand. They think that because. Um, the, the the transportation network company Uber or Lyft has a policy that somehow they don't need one. Um, you know they 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 misinterpret what's going on at the state legislative level that the state's requiring um, you know liability uh, third party liability coverages and they think that that's going to cover the, fixing their car and so um, it is an area that is fraught with misinformation. So that's that's number one. Number two, um, one of, the, uh, one of the, the, the things that the Big Eye does on behalf of um, the industry is they have uh, a grouping of volunteers called uh, the Agents Council for Technology, also known as ACT, A-C-T, And I sit on a working group called The Changing Nature of Risk along with uh, a number of guys. It's chaired by Steve Anderson uh, and Jerry Fox. I know you know Steve, you might know Jerry as well. And um, we're talking about all of these things, right? And and the, the challenge we have as an industry is that the pace of innovation is like you know just accelerating, and, and it's almost impossible to keep up. And this is making a very very difficult thing for insurance companies in general, but specifically to your point, independent agency companies. Um, because you know, let's let's talk Turkey. The insurance is based on history, right? And and so we don't have the history for these new kinds of things, whether it's three um, D printing or um or or ride sharing or any of those things, right? So so it it is creating some problems. But I'm with you, Ryan. Um we cannot allow our uh channel to become sort of irrelevant in these new coverage areas and, and I know that um I know that, that creates some you know exposure potential for the insurance companies but I firmly believe that we've got to do something. And, and you know, and maybe this is where um, there's some sort of a mutual product created where a bunch of insurance companies put together, they fund, they fund a standalone entity that only offers, you know, just ride sharing personal lines coverage, right? I mean, that way the, the risk isn't too big. And I realize I'm way out there on cloud nine, but the point is um, we are giving those customers those potential future customers another reason to ignore our channel and to end up in the clutches of the captive captive agency companies and the directs it's it's just it's it's a it's a blueprint for destruction of our channel
0: yeah it's just a perception thing you know i mean i'm not trying to tell insurance carriers how to run their business i'm not trying to tell actuaries or underwriters what they should or shouldn't do or coverage professionals. I mean, a lot of that is, they're all people that are way smarter than I am. I just look at the perception of our industry, and I just, what I see is another, another knock, right? It's it's not a, it, this isn't a, 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 a catastrophic thing. It just is another knock. It's just another, you know, um, piece of evidence that, we we can't move fast enough. We don't understand culture. We don't get what's going on. And uh and it it just bothers me, I guess. I I guess I it's nothing more than looking at it and going, "Oh, man, I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see the big, you know, some of the some of the big favorites, even even some regionals or something up here. Um, you know, and and or anybody really. Just more. I mean, there's so many Independent agency carriers. You would think there'd be more than one, two, three, four, five, six, and and two of which have di- have direct or captive channels in them. So it's like, man, you know, I mean, here, I just here,
1: here's here's I want to I want to tie this segment to, back to our first segment, right? Let's let's give kudos to the half a dozen IA channel carriers that are picking up the phone and talking to somebody. All right. They are actually experimenting. That is exactly what Steve Jobs told us to do. Okay? Yep. We need we need more I could get it if we were talking about doing this with flying cars, okay? These cars don't fly. It's not like suddenly the potential for catastrophic, you know, total loss has dramatically increased. Yeah, we've got a paying passenger in there and that ups the liability a little bit, but essentially the frequency and the severity should be pretty close to what they are. So it's not like we're totally in uncharted water.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess if, if you're, um, again, my simplistic non-actuarial mind thinks if it takes their miles driven from 12,000 on annual basis to 30,000, just charge them as a for 30,000 with a little inc- a little bump for the extra liability of having someone in your car. I mean, what else is going on? I mean, they're still driving around just like someone like when I was an agent and I drove 35,000 miles a year. I mean, I'm driving hard from town to town and, you know, multiple stops and doing all this and sharpen your coffee, packing right? your donuts. Yep. Right. And my coverage was more then, and then all of a sudden I do what I do now. And I work out of my home and my average yearly miles driven is like 7,000 now. And I pay less. I mean, it just, I guess I just, again, and I'm probably oversimplifying. And if anyone is actuarial or understands it and wants to comment, I'd love to hear it again, not a knock not i don't think this is a catastrophic thing i just look at it and i say if i'm if i'm 24 years old and i'm making some money on the side driving for uber and i have a couple years of that where i can't get coverage through um you know my dad's insurance independent agent i got to go through farmers then i become an adult and i'm 27 28 29 i'm buying my home and not driving uber anymore and i'm starting my own company I'm probably just going to stay with the farmer's agent that I, that I've had my Uber coverage with, you know, my coverage when I was driving Uber for all those years, because farmers took care of me. And, and I feel like we're not thinking like that. We're thinking today, you know, what is the risk today to us? How do we limit the debt, you know, the ups, you know, how do we limit the exposure? And we're not thinking about the long-term burn on, uh, on the overall perception of our industry. So, um, again, not an actuary, not an underwriter, uh, but you know, you're just looking at it from a branding perspective and a marketing perspective, and it it just uh, makes me a little sad that we don't see some more of our friends up on that list because it, it's not going away. Uber and Uber and Lyft aren't going away; like they're not going
1: anywhere. Before uh, be, before we jump off this topic, and I think we're about done, um, I want to reference back to episode number fifty three, which was a a solo. Uh, Podcast that I did with uh uh the CEO of and and co-founder of of an interesting uh sharing economy company called We Go Look. And their whole business platform is providing business services um, to companies and and individuals. They uh do eBay motors, for example. So if you were gonna buy a car here in uh, South Dakota, Ryan, and we didn't know anybody, you, you know, you could hire a looker to go out and find you a car, right? So I know some of you out there, uh, you know, the, you, you, you're, you love the Ryan, uh, view on this. And so you might want to skip that podcast at Marty's cause Ryan's not in there, but I would suggest that you go take a listen to that one because it's going to blow your mind when you think about the services that are coming down the pike for agencies and companies to take advantage of where you're leveraging the power of other networks, uh, beyond your own direct employees.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a good episode. And, um, you know, it's just interesting, you know, all the different services and, and, and how people are, you know, there's an agent, um, Sharon Robles, uh, outside Chicago. Actually, I think she's in Chicago proper. Uh, if she's not, she's just outside very near the urban area um and she's an agent uh former captive i want to say allstate but don't quote me on that former former captive came over to the independent side loving it and um and her agency is is going well she's very happy and uh, she drives uber to and from work so when she's going into her office in the morning she throws her uber on and picks up a couple of her neighbors takes them into the city drops them off goes back to her office um does the same thing on the way home maybe makes a couple stops she said she maybe drives you know a few hours a week when it's all kind of Pulled together, and she's using it as a marketing te- a marketing tool. So you know she collects a couple bucks for the ride, and she doesn't really care because she's got to go from one place to the other for the most part, anyways. She's not picking up somebody who's going way off in someplace crazy, and uh, she. She has some her car in the back seat. Has some marketing material for her agency, and she hands him this little packet thing, and and she's written a couple pieces business a couple pieces of business out of it. And you know, is every agent going to do that? No. Am I suggesting people should no? And and I think we've actually talked about her before, but the idea is that you know this is part of our culture now. Airbnb, uh, the the interview you did uh, with the Uber of inspections with We Go Look. You know, I mean, all these these shared economy, freelance economy jobs. I mean, this is, at least for the foreseeable future, this is coming. We have to have an answer to it. We can't just go, eh, we're not really into that. If we do, I guess we can, you know, we can or can't, we can do that. But then we can't be upset when people continue to perceive us as pale, stale, and male and completely checked out, right? The State Farm commercial with uh, whoever's seen one of my presentations, I like, at the State Farm commercial with the guy in the in the fishing gear with the $1 kind of cackling because, you know, the, he only saved his person $1 and the state farm agent saved his person enough to get the Gucci bag or whatever. Like that is the perception of who we are. We have to, the only people who can change that perception is us. And, and as an industry, which is the hardest part because we're what 500 plus independent carriers and 37,000 independent agencies. Um, even the twenty two thousand who all operate under the big eye all have their own perceptions of how to use the different tools and branding and all this stuff. And that's just the nature of our industry. But uh, you know, the only way that we break down this antiquated perception, whether accurate or not, is is to do something about it and to not be antiquated and to and to move with the times and understand that you can't you can't change cultural, you know, as as culture changes. We can't we can't just put a blockade up against it, and go, yeah, no, nope, that whole sharing economy thing, we're not doing that. And then expect to continue to grow. You just can't do that because the perception is outside of just the individual customer. It it's it's how they talk about you, you know. And um, you know, I, I just I see it as a problem. I see it as something that, you know, we just don't embrace today and and hopefully we will. So um nope, I don't know. Nope, you got anything nope, else?
1: Note to listeners, uh, drinks coming up because I'm going random. Uh, Where were we last week, Ryan? You know where we were. We were in Milwaukee. And uh, the interesting thing was uh, at some point we caught an Uber ride back and our Uber driver had a creative little trick. He got one of those lighted sort of triangular signs that you see on top of the pizza delivery vehicles, right? He ordered one online and he... Took uh, It was white, and he took, like, black tape or black paint, and he put Uber on it, right? So he had a little lighted Uber sign on the top of his uh, vehicle, which I thought was cool. But really, the reason I went to this was because we got a preview of the upcoming Elevate Hotel. And why yeah. don't you just tell people about it for just one second, then we'll get um, on with our
0: show. I, so
1: Elevate is going to be at the
0: Fister Hotel, which is uh, just a it's unbelievable. So do you go to the pictures online, Fister hotel, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you can check it out. Look at the pictures online. It looks tremendous. Um, you walk into this place. So I'll tell you my concern. I knew that it had like a Victorian old world feel like you're walking into, you know, some, some, uh, grand, uh, hotel from like the 1880s when, um, you know, just the, that look, but I was worried that it was going to be that look, but worn, right. The red like, bare, and musty. Yes. Yeah. It is spectacular. It's as if they built it last year. Like you walk in and I looked around and I was like, I I was like, holy shit. Like this is, this place is classier than we deserve. It is unbelievable. Just the way it's laid out is amazing. And, um, and just, you know, beautiful bar. When you walk in, you got the, the big stairs that take you up to the second and third floors. And then, you know, so, so just the whole entrance of it is is fantastic, and you're right down in downtown Milwaukee, and you're in a lot of stuff. And then we go up to the seventh floor, which is where the actual event is going to take place. And again, you just, you don't know what to expect, man. You look at the stuff online, and you think it looks nice, but you don't know until you go. So we get up there, and we're doing the tour, and I mean, Marty, I'm mean, I i I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, but um, I mean, just tremendous. I mean, just, it's just, it's... It's not so big as you can't move around, but there's enough space so that, you know, 200, 300 people, however many people we end up getting, have plenty of room to do their thing. There's going to be tons of networking tables, and and then the breakout rooms are are close enough that you can kind of move from one to the other without a big hassle, and everything's contained in this, just in one floor, in this really beautiful space. And then you go down to the ballroom where... uh where the, uh, the the Sunday night cocktail Morning and order cocktail, reception yeah. is going to be, lunch is going to be served in there every day, and um, I think I think that's what it is. Lunch every lunch both days, and then the cocktail reception. Yeah, to I, get to cocktail des- reception. I get to
1: describe this, all right? So there is this Evita Peron esque uh, sort of balcony that overlooks the whole room where Ryan is going to hold court. All right, so he's gonna he's gonna be up there singing to the entire crowd, you know, just like from the movie Evita. So we're psyched. We are. Yeah, we are well, just psyched. We'll, we'll see if that second part happens,
0: but uh, you know, ultimately, ultimately, the you know, and you got thirty foot. I, I forgot to tell you, you get thirty foot um, floor to ceiling windows looking out at uh, what is it, Lake Michigan, and yeah. you know, so it's just it's just tremendous. It's just tremendous. Blown away, so excited. Uh, I think uh, everybody who goes is gonna, you know, you didn't talk about Blue
1: Lounge. Blue Lounge.
0: The Blue Lounge. Oh, yeah, yeah. 23rd. So the 23rd floor, they have a tower. The 23rd floor of this place is this amazing is it like 360, at least 180 degrees that overlook, you know, kind of sits on top of the other buildings, you know, so you're above the, the skyline a little bit and you get to look out at the lake and, oh, I mean, it was just, it's tremendous. The place is tremendous. And, and, uh, you know, I, I hope, you know, I, I, I think the content will match the quality of the venue and the quality of the attendees. And I, I just think, you know, I, I, I hope I'm not over, I hope I'm not setting expectations too high. I probably am. My my expectations are if, if everyone doesn't leave a smoke coming out of their ears, then it's gonna be a, a fail for me. But um I just think this 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 is it's exciting. It's a fun place and it's got this atmosphere of that's kind of counter to we're talking new, digital, this kind of stuff, and then you're in this beautiful Victorian place, and I kinda like how it juxtapositions itself against the content. I I don't know. I I think it's gonna be cool though, and I was just like I left that place, like, rock and roll. I mean, besides the fact that it started on fire while we were there, I was like, this place is rock and roll.
1: Don't be scaring our guests. So, the the other thing, though, is that the cabbie told us that there were ghosts in there. So, I didn't see any this time, but I'm hoping that maybe next time a, a poltergeist or two come uh, floating around.
0: Yeah, well, I hope to not see that, but I get what you're saying. So... Uh, with that, Marty, hey, we've been talking for a while. Let's, let's shut it down. This has been our, this has been a good episode. Um, again, if you guys want to check out the resources and stuff, I will have the uh, Facebook post in there with the drinking rules. I will have uh, the YouTube video, and I will have the image from Coverger. Uh, you can check all those out. agencynation.com forward slash podcast. Look for episode number fifty four. Check it out, and and uh, and and my friends, you have an absolutely. Uh, wonderful holiday season, a wonderful new year. Uh, when we get this out, it'll probably be past Christmas, but New Year's will be coming. Uh, everybody be safe, be happy, be thankful for, for your friends and family, and, uh, and we will catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much.